podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Hello and welcome to the Terrace Podcast. My name is Craig Cairns and I'm joined once again by Chris Awellamo. How are you doing, Chris? Good morning, Craig. Yeah, very good, mate. Very good, thank you. Busy, busy week, so I uh, so you can't complain. I managed to get to a game at the weekend, Chris. First time since about February or something. And how did it feel? This is what I'm saying. It's You know, I've, I've been very lucky, Craig. You know, I, I've been going to games since the restart after lockdown so I think it was the the 20th of June or something it was and I've been the games I've went to and it is it's something that I try and when I'm doing the co-coms I'm, I, I try and put out there that how fortunate we are to be in that position uh, obviously there's talk now of fans coming back but how did you find how did you find the atmosphere um, well it's a bit strange yeah it's definitely strange um, and it's, but it's kind of interesting at the same time because you get to hear things that you would never normally hear, which some of them do come across on the on the telly, I guess, when you're watching them. Yeah. But yeah, but Mickey Mickey Mellon's very vocal on the side of the pitch, so listen to him and the instructions he gives to his players, and you can hear players get frustrated or what they shout at their teammates and in certain situations and things like that. So it's really interesting in that kind of sense. The first half wasn't great. Uh, it was a Dundee United. Aki's game I should say yeah. the first half wasn't great um, but the second half was was fairly entertaining um, Aki's came out and did really well we're probably unlucky not to get a point or something in the end but uh, not overall That's an enjoyable yeah. experience even though I picked it up on my day off and absolutely knackered myself as a result but it was it was still <laughs> worth it do you not think it's better when you when you hear the players the way that you do? You know, you get the vocal players they're they're shouting information. You can see that frustration. Do you not think from a from like a a fan's perspective that that's that makes it so much more interesting? It's like you hear Mickey Mellon the information that he's putting on. So basically, you're watching the same game. Then all of a sudden, Mickey Mellon will come on and say and and, and give his whatever is is information to whoever player, and you'll think, wow, you know. That's we're getting overrun there, or, mm-hmm. or and it's so interesting that it is. It, it does make it easier for managers because I'll tell you something now. You know, when you're a player on that pitch and you've got a <laughs> on the far stadium, side. <laughs> it's, messages are getting passed from yeah. player to player. Yeah. All that, big, you know what I mean. So it is. Uh, I just think it is. It's, it's very interesting. Obviously, when I'm commentating, you're, you're you're in the match and that, but still, you can you hear the players talking. You know, Connor Cody at Wolverhampton Wanderers does not stop talking. Really, he was he was he was self isolating the other night. So you straight away you think about the likes of Max Kilman, who's just a young lad, who a protege that's came through the academy that's been playing on the left hand side. A Connor Cody, how does it affect his game? Because straight away you're a young player. You're getting spoke to, you're getting organised, you're getting told where to be all the time because Connor doesn't stop talking. So it's just, it's interesting. It's interesting that that aspect of it, but again, we need the fans back. Definitely, definitely. I would, yeah, I would uh, let that kind of interesting information that we get go if we could uh, have all the fans back in the stadium again, definitely. One thing I did find interesting, every time the opposition gets to the 18-yard line, usually down the wings, Mickey Mellon shouts something like past the box or something like that. Have you ever heard a kid, am I just picking up what he's saying wrong or something like that? Is he, do the defence, is he trying to tell his defence to do something different once the, once the, they've passed the 18 yard line or something? 
uh, well, the defensive line usually have to kind of basically open up their shoulders when. So if the if the if you're defending and the attacking team come into that attacking third in the wide areas, position is so important. So <clears throat> maybe that's his trigger, right? To actually make make the players switch on or make sure their distances are right, to make sure their their shoulders are open, you know. And it's quite it's quite interesting because as soon as as soon as the players hear that, even though they're in the game, it's a it's it's one of those things that will automatically just switch inside them that they straight away they'll look to see where the players are, they'll look where the ball's coming from, they look, they should know where the goal is anyway. Mm-hmm. So it's quite interesting you say that, and that's what I'm saying. So Mickey Mellon's taking advantage of the very fact that there's no fans in. Past, past the box. So as soon as they cross that line, maybe they've been working on certain things uh, yeah. that a player goes in, maybe midfielders drop into that defensive line. It could be it could be a number of things. I'll have to, I'll have to watch that game back because it'll be quite interesting to see what they actually do when the when the players come into the wide areas, Craig, you know, but again, very, very, very interesting. It's like it's like if you're playing a high block, a high press, players can't go in ones and twos. Mm-hmm. So if I was a striker, I would only go when I was told by my midfielder behind me. But he can only tell me when he's instructed by his defender behind him. Right. So the whole team goes together yeah. and the distances are right. But that's, whereas I watch some strikers now and they're off on their own. You're thinking, you're not affecting the game in any way. You're basically running and the fans might look at it and say, oh yeah, he's, he's worth Fans love so that, hard. don't they? It covers what are up you a, doing? It covers up what a multitude doing? of sins it, running. It, exactly. <laughs> he's done nothing. He's not affected the opposition in any way. If anything, he's actually left his team short. Mm-hmm. You understand, and that's and this is what I'm talking about. When it's like I'm sitting talking to you, you'll have a, we could watch the same game of football and have completely different opinions. But then when we sit down and talk about it over a beer or whatever, we sit and think, "Bloody hell, yeah, I see what you're, I see what you're talking about, Craig." Right? But this is why they do this, and you go, "All oh, right," and and that's and this is what makes football amazing. This is why we all love the game because there's no there's no rights and there's no wrongs but you know what is wrong a player going off on his own and not affecting the bloody game you know what I mean so do it as a team and I, I say that at the time always press as a collective unit um, so the topics that we're going to be covering today uh, later on we're going to touch on the title race a wee bit later uh, we're going to talk about handball rule a little bit um Coincidentally so, given that yesterday we had the sad news of the passing of Diego Maradona. Now, you played against his Argentina side at Hamden um, for yeah. Scotland. Did you did you have any interaction with him during during that game or before or after it? Well, let's just say the, the, the build-up to this game. So this is I this is my start. This is my, my one start for Scotland, and it's not a bad one at home to Argentina. <laughs> Diego Maradona's first game in charge of his national... Uh, the national side. Uh, the whole build-up was basically Terry Butcher. Yeah, and, uh, I watched that Diego interview Maradona. yesterday. <laughs> I'm not going to shake his hand. Come <laughs> on, Terry. Sort yourself out, mate. It was that long ago. I know. And you know what? That's what the, that's what all the press was about. I have to say, uh, the the team were, kept themselves to themselves. There was no interaction whatsoever. Even after the game, they, they went into a huddle and then walked off the pitch together. Uh I had a great relationship with the the kit man at uh, at Willie, 
uh, at Scotland and he got me the uh, Maxi Rodriguez scored the goal and I got so I've got that all framed I'll have oh, to send you a picture of it Craig because it's it's what it's it's an absolute amazing piece I've got my Scotland shot my Scotland cap Maxi Rodriguez is shot and then pictures oh, nice. of the game as well but that game was was brilliant I've got a few stories uh, that that will tickle you right so Gabriel Heinzer was uh, was uh, was playing uh, fullback actually and uh, I remember this long balls came up and I've I've rubbed my hands together, mate. I thought, oh my, this is perfect. I'm gonna absolutely smash him. I mean, look, I've got I'm gonna go win this ball. I can win the ball cleanly, but I'm gonna leave one on him. Like I'm gonna hit him hard, right? So I remember I'm I'm running over <coughs> the ball. I timed it perfectly. I'm flat on my backside, mate. I am on my ass. <laughs> He's obviously thought, I'm gonna do this big man. I'm gonna do the big man right now, and he's put me on, mate unbelievable it was hit, like hitting a brick wall and I, I loved all that physicality as well uh, and uh, there was another one as well there was uh, I remember <laughs> Tevez was up, up top right and I've never seen someone control the ball with his face right so, <laughs> so Craig I tell you you need to watch this game back deliberately all, all the, did he do it deliberately all the listeners need to go and watch this game back there's a period in the first half that the ball is fired into him I mean fired I mean like like a hit, hit as hard as you possibly can and he's controlled it with his face so basically his first touch is with the you know right on his face and then his second touch is basically taking it away from the guy with his right foot or his left foot I could not believe it I burst out laughing when I'm watching this so, so, I, so I, I'm, I'm facing back the, the ball's been fired into him he's cushioned it with his face Craig you know I mean <laughs> honestly mate I I think there was a few of us that just went, what have we just seen there? Do you, th- do you think he did that deliberately or was it just like a, was it kind of like a lucky break off his face or do you think he... No, no, the ball, the, he done, he, he, the ball was fired at him. It was, a, it was a poor pass. So rather than take it on his chest, he never had time to get his chest in the way. Right. He basically cushioned this ball with his face with his first touch. His second touch was with the outside of his, of his right or left foot that took it away from his marker. It was um, it, mate, it was unbelievable. It was uh, I, I just remember myself at Hamden Park pissing myself laughing in the centre circle, and he's 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 created an attack down the down the right hand side. Unbelievable, mate! Best touch I've ever seen in football. <laughs> uh, yeah, speaking of great touches, um, Maradona was obviously an absolute genius. What what are your kind of you're slightly older than me, Chris? What what are your kind of memories of uh, of him as a player? Yeah, to be fair, you know, it's you look at all the, the footage of him, uh, you obviously know he was him and Pelly at that time, you know, who was the best player in the world. Very, very different players, you know, Diego Maradona, you know, he, he would go in, get the ball deeper, his dribbling quality, you know, he scored all types of goals. Mm-hmm. You know, it, for me, he was outstanding. He, he carried so many teams. He was the difference, you know. Uh, I love watching that footage of him warming up. You know, have you seen that footage where he's doing little, he's doing little shimmies and dance. He's just juggling the ball, and then he's he's doing little roly polies. You know, <laughs> I don't think I have seen this. It's actually, it's crazy. It's crazy, mate. Because you look at the modern game. He was already he was already there thinking about how he falls. You know, protecting how he falls because that's what the roly poly does. It's it's using muscles. Whereas I remember it was uh, Duff at Chelsea. I think Chelsea actually employed someone. They brought someone in. I'm trying to think who the man was. It when Zola? No, not Zola. Was it Viali? I think the uh, 
they brought someone in to actually teach people how to fall. Okay. You understand? So 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 basically you're protecting yourself as you fall because you're gonna be getting challenged. And and you watch the way there's there's these amazing players, I mean world class players, and he was world class. You know, I think Messi is is as amazing as Messi and Ronaldo is uh Diego Maradona took his country to world titles, you know what I mean? To to majors. And that's something that Messi's probably fallen a little bit short. Yeah. You know, Maradona again he's done it at different at different clubs. He's he's moved around and he's been a sensation at all of them. <clears throat> Yeah, he really he kind of elevated that Napoli side as well. It's like, when, yes. w- when you compare him to his contemporaries, some of his contemporaries were great players surrounded by other great players, but he stands out a bit because he was the type of player that would go in and make mediocre sides so, so much better. Yes, because it's just that individual. But I'm looking at him here, two times Serie A, uh, the 1986 World Cup, 1989 UEFA Cup, 1987 Copa Italia, 1983 Copa del Rey, you know, the in 1981 it was Argentina Primera Division, you know, Copa de, de, de Liga in 1983, Super, uh, the Super Copa uh, Italia 1990, you know, 1983 the Spanish Super Cup, you know, he was outstanding. And you know what, it's, it, it's, a, it's a massive loss, you know, I think obviously... Uh, the the, the 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 brain operation was a success but then the heart attack after it you know it's, it's it's sad times and it's a it's a massive loss not only to the football family to but to to the world as well you know I think we've got let's remember the amazing player that he was and not that kind of downhill spiral the the kind of negatives that that his career kind of brought along as well but uh yeah he's it's still people are still contesting that now if he's if he was the greatest of all yeah, I mean, I, I suppose when you look at, um, I know he's obviously had his health issues and his addiction issues and things like that, and later in life. But even still, every bit of footage you see of him, he looks like he's just having the best time. <laughs> like no matter what he was doing uh, yeah. after he finished playing football, he just always looked like he was having the best time. So even though there's these well documented issues, it didn't seem to impact his uh, his love of life. My, my first uh, my first memory of him, or the first thing I can remember anyway, was the 1994 World Cup. Now, obviously, um, <clears throat> I, I probably would have been aware of him and seen some footage from 86 around that time and stuff. But yeah, because 94 is the first World Cup that I really got into. And I just remember him scoring, oh, I can't even remember who it was against. Was it Nigeria? They were definitely Nigeria's group. But he scores and then he, he kind of runs towards the camera and he like rants into the camera. Is this America? Is this America? Is this America? US one, yeah. yeah and he ends up getting one, tested yeah. and sent home <laughs> like a couple of days yeah. later because for some yeah. stimulant, I can't remember the name of it. But yeah, that that was my first memory of uh, Diego Maradona. It's uh, I don't know. It's, it is not to be fair, like you say, a special player. I remember that tournament as well. You know, I think it was uh, Roberto Baggio missed, missed the penalty, didn't he? Skied it over in the final. In the yeah, yeah. Shootout. But uh, no, I. <clears throat> Like you say, it's a, it's a, it was a sad, sad day, you know. But uh, like you say, but it'll be remembered, and some of the tributes already have been have been absolutely outstanding from some top, top players. Yeah, definitely, and it's great to see that he's still living rent free in the heads of many English football fans. And um, right, so coincidentally, <laughs> <laughs> so, so coincidentally, we were already going to be talking about the handball rule today. Um, the other day, IFAB met to discuss, among other things, um, the the kind of controversy surrounding the rule, and they, they were seeking to to further clarify it. 
Now I've kind of read through what they've what they've said, and it sounds like they're just saying they're just reiterating what the rule already is. They're saying that the final decision still stands with the referee. Not every touch off an arm is uh, is a handball. So it seems like we're still where we are with it, although they're not going to change the rule midway through the season. We know that. But um, what are your thoughts on the, the way the handball rule has been applied this season? Well, I think it's been a bit of a shambles. <clears throat> let's, let, let's put it that way. I think we discussed this the last time I was on. Uh, I think you've got some instances that we're going to have mm-hmm. a little look at and, and, and break down. Now, I, it's definitely passing the buck by saying it, it, the, the, the decision falls with the referee. Because the referees, even when they, and obviously definitely down in England, when they go to the screen and they look at certain things, they've still got it wrong. So the human error is still there. Now, if we, if you look at the wording, if the, if the ball strikes a hand and the hand's in an unnatural position, it's a penalty kick. Mm-hmm. But it's not. It's still not intentional. Some of the ones that we're going to look at, the hands are behind the players. Yeah, exactly. You understand? But what I will say is if it's to an advantage of the play, of the team that the uh, of the player that, that whose hand it hits, then the referee's got a decision to make. Because uh the McGinn one, the McGinn one when it hit his hand, that ball's gonna fall down to a Celtic player that's basically just to the side, if not is inside the six yard box, and you can just get a shot away. You understand? So yep. That 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 to me is an advantage for 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 Hibs. It's a very soft one. It's a very soft one. It's like it's like me and you. I'm face up. I'm gonna cross the ball. I've got someone in there. You put your you put your arms behind your back, but it hits your elbow that's sticking out a little bit, and it takes it away for <clears throat> a corner kick. Whereas if it doesn't hit your elbow, my man is gonna definitely get a shot on target. The referee's got a decision there. Your hands are behind your back. Because you're you're very aware, but your elbow's in an unnatural position. You understand? Mm-hmm. So the the lettering. So if I'm a referee and I look at that and I think, well, wait a minute, you're putting your hands behind your back. You're not intentionally. You're you're trying to make sure that you do not you do not give away a handball here. There's so many situations. If there's no one in the box, then the referee it's an easy decision. It's a corner kick. If there's someone in the box, then he's got to think about it. Is it an advantage that it's hit your hand? When it hit McGinn's hand, it's an advantage because I think Celtic are gonna gonna get that 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 bout that dropping ball. I think the the other one is it Jamie Robson? Yeah, the one the game the game that you were at. Yeah, so I kind of yeah, missed it at the time because I, I thought at it. I thought I it'd been, at it. know how right after that um, Aki's got another chance to cross and um, it comes yeah. off Robson's knee. I thought it'd been given for that. I thought it must have come off his hand in that movement because I couldn't see where the handball was before that. And it turns out that Robson was being fouled as well, but obviously that's not entered into the referee's thinking because if he sees the foul, he gives the foul. But yeah, that's another weird one. The, 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 the thing for me is the natural silhouette thing that they talk about or the unnatural position or whatever, it seems to be that that only applies to you standing still with your arms by your side. It, it, it seems to me that it takes little account of what your arms do when you're jumping or when you're sliding or when you're breaking your fall or something like that. In fact, I think yeah. there might be a bit in yeah. the rule about breaking your fall and that not being a handball. But... Um, yeah, so things like that. It's like they expect you to still have your arms by your side while you 
jump up or you slide or you make a last-ditch kind of um, dive with your feet to block it or something like that. I I just think that this unnatural thing is a little bit confusing. Yeah, so let me put that one straight. So, So if the ball's getting crossed in and you're jumping up, you're jumping up to actually say defend, and of course you've got to use your hands, right? If that ball comes off your hands, for me it's a penalty kick. Okay. Because you're in the box, you're watching the cross. You now I know I don't know what position you play, Craig, but <laughs> no, I'm just I'm just asking because if I'm a striker and I've, I'm watching the ball come in, I've got my eye on the ball all the time. If I'm going to jump, my my head's going to make contact with the ball, not unless I'm challenged. A defender's the exact same way. Now, if a, if a defender jumps and for whatever reason the ball hits his hand, that's a penalty kick. There's no, there's no way to to say, oh, well, it's, it's in a natural position. You've got to use your hands when you jump. You only can make contact with that ball by your head, or if it's a volley or whatever. You know that. So that 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 is just basically no control of your own your own self. But I understand if the ball is then, if it's like in the second phase, if the ball's headed up and there's a bit of confusion and the player's down and he's sitting and he's looking and the ball comes down and drops in his hand, that's not a penalty kick. Mm-hmm. But if we go back to what the the governing body said, it comes down to the referee on that day. That is only a penalty kick. If it drops out the sky and the player doesn't know where it is and it hits his hand, but the attacking player it takes it away from him because then that's in it to an advantage. Do you understand what I'm saying? Yeah, 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 I get you, yeah. So, so if the first phase, the ball goes up in the air, no one has a clue where it is, it comes down and drops in the player's hand. If that ball is just going to drop and to no advantage of the attacking team, it's not a penalty kick. But if a player is going to come in and, he, and, and the attacking players see where that's going to bounce and it comes off the, the defender's hand, no matter if his hand is, is in a natural position or not, it's to an advantage of the defending team. That's a penalty kick. And that's the way I think the referees have got to, to look at it. Now, I know that up in Scotland, there's not VAR. I think it was basically Callahan's uh, Callahan's reaction with the Robson one that's brought the referee's attention to it. Yeah. And then straight away, he's sitting thinking, well, I've seen it touch his hand. What goes out of What goes out of his mind then is that Callahan's pulling on Robson anyway. So it probably is a free kick anywhere else on the pitch, but it was at the blind side of the referee. So we've got to understand this is why VAR is a must-stop in Scottish football as well. It needs to come in. It's been given a lot of criticism, but a referee can go and look at that. Uh, the referee uh, who's in the in in the in the in the main the main studio looking at it can give that information and say, look, it's a free kick anyway. It's so you don't need to, you need to worry about it. And that's the right decision. So this is why VAR, for me, is a must for Scottish football as well, Craig. It would have been really tough on Dundee United if um, if Callan had converted that penalty. Doing so well to kind of get themselves ahead in that game and then being undone by a poor decision like that. It would have been, it would have been quite harsh on them if they hadn't uh, got away with the win after that decision. But yeah, so we'll move on to talk about 
the title race a little bit and specifically I want to start <laughs> about <laughs> do you think I'm just bringing this up to <laughs> to troll you, just, you or yeah, something you're, just, you're loving it you're absolutely loving it <laughs> I'm actually loving not <laughs> I'm trying to remain neutral here I hate both of them equally okay um, <laughs> hate such a strong I know word, I know it? hate in the sporting rivalry sense <laughs> of the word um, yeah so right, let, well, let me let, let me say this to you right as a Celtic fan right I'm sitting looking at that game I'm, I was I was working Mm-hmm. It was nil nil at half time, right? Hibs, boom, two nil. I couldn't believe it. I could not believe it. Neil Lennon, for one, they've got they've got something out of the match. He's changed. Uh Bitton was playing centre back, wasn't he? You're th- sitting thinking Shane yeah. Duffy was on the bench. And a two as well. I think he's okay in a three, get, maybe not in a two. That. Yeah. I don't get it, mate. I don't get it. I don't get it. So what does that tell you? That tells you that. The, the, there's pressure on Neil Lennon, but he made the he, he made the changes that got something out of the match, and that shows me again that the players are are all there for the manager. The manager has the the cojones to make decisions that you know what he still his formation three at the back was getting criticised. So like you say, if he goes to a four because he's trying to tweak things because he needs to stimulate this group of players to go out there and do something. Now, it's very, very interesting that they've went and got this result because it's happened before. Mm-hmm. I've been reading a bit of press. I think it was, was it 3-3 or something? And then they went out and won the next 18 games. Uh, Kamarnock, yeah, they came back to draw yeah, three all with Kamarnock. Exactly. Yeah. So this is, this is what he needs to be doing to his players. They need to step up. But on the spin side of it, Rangers, wow. <laughs> wow. No, and you know what? It hurts me to say it. But uh, but wow, yeah. against Aberdeen, against Aberdeen, you're sitting thinking this is going to be a this is going to be a good test. Smashed it four 0 Let's put even more pressure on Celtic. Let's see. Let, and that's what it is. It's turning that knife that little bit. And at the minute, they're just they're they're like you see you 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 used it for Celtic a well oiled machine, wasn't it? You you thought that's what the Rangers are at the minute. They're just they're just getting results. You know they've got they've got they've got individual players that can turn a game on mm-hmm. its head. Tavernier for me, wow. Yeah. Wow. He's been Captain unbelievable. of the team, you know, from, from, from full-back position, he's got, what is it, was it nine, ten assists, or the goals are up there. Ridiculous. Ridiculous. You know what I mean? So, again, if you've got players in tight games, goals changes matches, Craig. You know, so if you're sitting in a, in a, in a tight game, it's nil-nil, then all of a sudden, one of your special players just puts the ball in the back of the net, 1-0, it changes the whole mood of that game. For one, Aberdeen have to take necessary risks to try and get back in it. When you've got the lights, the quality of the Rangers have got, you're going to pick pick those holes off. You're going to pick those moments to, to, to kind of punish them even more. It is so difficult. For me, Celtic need to go on a run of games. Rangers need to slip up. If Rangers carry on just getting the results, for me, it's over. I mean, they're racking up similar stats to the Invincibles at the moment, and I'm not suggesting that they're going to go the whole season unbeaten or anything, but they're racking up similar stats to what Brendan Rodgers was in his Invincible season. They've been that good. What what do you think about the... (laughs) Excuse me. What do you think about the, the pressure that Lennon is under? I mean, there seems to be... In the absence of fans in the stadium, there seems to be quite a bit of, of it in social media and the Green Brigade were outside Celtic Park the other day. Um, and then you've got lots of kind of, lots of people in the media rushing to his defence. 
his record at Celtic as a player and a manager, his his status as a legend is obviously not under question here. But um, what do you think about the pressure that he's kind of been under from supporters? Well, before a ball was kicked, we we knew that this this season alone was going to bring pressure to to Neil Lennon and Stephen Gerrard like they've never faced before. You know, uh, what I have to say is. I think I think not having the fans there is 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 a massive loss for 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 Celtic just for the fact that the players they they they, they love that 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 pressure you know that coming from the fans you know the because it is there's such a and I'm not saying because Rangers fans are are, are are excellent as well but it was quite interesting when you heard uh, Neil McCann say that that the players. Can pl- the Rangers player can play with a little bit more freedom. They can play with a- they can take a little bit more risks. The the pressure's on them to go out and win every game anyway. But for some reason, that maybe the the players uh, and it was quite interesting because I know that uh, him and Mickey Stewart had a little bit when he said uh, that the Rangers players will play a lot with, with more freedom. So Mickey was, uh, said to them, "Well, what you're saying that they're mentally weak," and it was quite an interesting one. But it does play a massive part. The Celtic, the players, they, they they find something inside when they play in front of these Celtic fans. You know that pressure, that they, that expectation, and that is that is. But they have to they have to create that intensity themselves, and that's something that has been found they've been found wanting. You understand? Yeah. So, so they've now got to create that by what Rangers are doing. They've got to say, well. But at the minute they're falling short. They're a little bit fragile. They're, that it's, it's, it's having a negative effect. You know what we've seen in the last twenty minutes against Hibs is what we should see from the first minute. Mm-hmm. You know what we've seen when in the Celtic Rangers games where they never got a, a shot on target, where Rangers was a comfortable victory. That's never been the case. That's the, they, these no matter what form before an old firm match, it goes out the window because anything goes, and that was something that wasn't wasn't evident so I think Neil Lennon I think the players have to take a lot of responsibility here you know they're falling short the manager's always going to be the fall guy he's tweaking things to try and stimulate the group they need to be doing that themselves and that's an interesting thing because the longer this goes on if it's just dropping points here and there and it's even even beating Rangers in the old firm matches won't be enough. Might not be enough. You understand yeah. Me? yeah, exactly. It's going to be very interesting to see how Rangers react to their first defeat. Uh, I don't know when that's going to come, but it's going to be very interesting because we've seen in previous seasons that um, after the after the winter break, for instance, they've come back few poor results and then it's they've let it derail their season. So it's going to be very yeah. interesting to see how they handle that uh, this time round. But that's a us at about time for this week Chris thanks again for joining me absolute pleasure mate absolute pleasure got a little interview with all of me Burnley this afternoon mate so I'm sure that uh, that's going to be a very interesting one so it, uh, I'll take him to a few dark places and some good places <laughs> as well and where, where can folk find that is that on TalkSport you were saying well I believe it'll be I'm doing the I'm doing the West Brom Sheffield United game uh, on Saturday for Talksport. So this this is for Talksport. So I, we'll see we'll see what we come. I've only I've got them for 10, 15 minutes. So uh, so it's going to be an, an interesting one. Like you say, he's, uh, there's a lot of similarities there as well. But uh, he's for for some reason he's he 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 just gets on with it. You know he's so I, I just want to can ask him about that as well. But it's going to be an interesting one. Great. I look forward to it. See you later on. Top man. 
Take care. Have a good one, Craigie. Cheers. Sports Social Podcast Network.